0: We usually end with prayer, but let's start with prayer tonight. Let's pray for Sister Nave. Let's uh, pray for Sister Brida, and let's pray for Larry, amen, that God would do a work in their bodies. Help me pray. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, God, that you are the great physician, Lord. There is nothing that surprises you within these bodies, so we just pray, Lord, for healing and health for Sister Brida and Sister Nave. Pray, Lord, for Larry, God, that you would do a miracle for him, Lord, that you would completely heal, God, with your stripes, we were healed. We claim the word of God for these individuals tonight, and we ask you, Lord Jesus, to do a great work for your own glory, God, that you would be glorified in the result of this prayer tonight, and we give you praise in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen, amen. Amen. Thank you for being in Bible study tonight. I am going to continue. We have been studying through the life of uh, Abraham and the call of the will and the the purpose of God in his life, trying to map that over to us, learn the lessons that Abraham teaches us. We know that the scripture was was there for our learning, amen, and so we're trying to learn. We talked about uh, the first lesson. remember we talked about being committed to the will of God, understanding that God's will is something that we're all responsible for proving out in our lives. That, you know, we're to uh, uh, not be conformed to this world. Romans, what, 12 and 1 and 2. Not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Literally means that we spend our lives testing out testing out what is the will of God, and we're pursuing it. Everybody say pursue. Look at somebody at your table right now and say you need to pursue the will of God. Got to be committed to that. And then we uh, we kind of meandered through the muddling of Abraham as he is trying to get to the promised land. He's on an 800-mile journey. He get, gets 500 miles, gets stuck in here, and we talked about that. And then we talked about how God had... He took him the 300 miles and then told him. He said, I'm going to take you to a land. Remember last week? And then he said, I'm going to show you a land, first of all, he said. And then he says, this is it. This is the land. But then Abraham does a really weird thing for anybody, you know, in in the same situation where God would tell them, you're right where I wanted to take you. And then the Bible said, and he kept going south. And so we, we studied that and how much trouble that that got in and how we also can muddle our way through the will of God at times and find ourselves in circumstances and in and, and, and situations we really don't have to go through if we just listen to the Lord. So we're going to continue studying, pursuing the will of God. And really, we're just taking up a little bit where we left off, right there at Genesis 13. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn there? Genesis 13, chapter one, I'm sorry, chapter 13, verse one. And here's what it says. I think they've got it on the screen. They've got it on the wall there for you also. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had in lot with him into the south. And Abraham was very rich in cattle and silver and gold. And he went on his journeys from the south Okay, that was last week. His journey's from the south. That's all that muddling and messing up. Back to where God said this is it, back to Bethel where he built the altar. Okay, and he went back to Bethel unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. Unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. So it appears to me, And it should appear to us, Abraham is back on track. Everybody give him a round of applause. Abraham's back on track. He's back where he's supposed to be there in the will of the Lord. But watch, look at this. First thing happened. And Lot also, which went with Abraham, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together. For their substance was great. Everybody say, they were, they were blessed. Man, you talk about the will of the Lord and the blessing of God's reflecting how they're, you know, even remember the last, uh, last week, we talked about how even in their mistakes, God let them take out the fruit of that, of that land. They got lots of riches, and but God let them keep it. So they come out of that, that mistake and, and, and God, they're blessed in spite of themselves. But the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together. For their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. And there was strife. Can you believe it? Everybody see that word? That means trouble. means problems, fussing, fighting. Can you believe it that there's fighting in the promised land? What? That there's strife in the promised land, okay? He's back to where God said, this is it. This is where I want to take you. And the first thing that happens is there's a fight. There's strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perseusite dwelled then in the land. So we got all these people and there's not enough room. So tonight, just for a little while, let's study pursuing the will of God in the context of settling problems in the will of God. Because obviously, we read from mercy right now, we need to de- demystify the fact that, that just because people walk in the will of God does not mean there's not going to be problems. Okay, There were two brothers that got into a fight. That never happens, but they did. These two brothers, they got in a fight, and they couldn't come to an agreement. So they decided, we're going to go talk to dad. Dad was the aged elder. He was known for his wisdom, and so they said, okay, here's what we're gonna do. You go tell him your side of the story, then I'll go tell him my side of the story, and we'll, we'll see who, whose side he's on. So the first brother goes the first night, and he tells him his side of the story, and when he gets all done laying everything out, his father looks at him and said, you know what, you're absolutely right. He walks out pretty proud. So the next night, the younger son comes over, and he lays out all his whole, all his argument and everything the way that he saw it, and his father looked at him and said, you know what, son? you are absolutely right. And so his younger son leaves and he's as happy as the older son. But his wife corners him afterwards and said, look, I heard the first one and I heard the second one and they can't both be right. And he looked at her deep into her eyes and said, you're absolutely right. (laughs) Here's what I think the dad knew. Dad knew the secret. He knew the secret to settling issues. And that was from Hebrews 12 and 14. And here's what it says. It says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Our pursuit of God's will in our life reveals an important truth that we we do not walk alone in this pursuit. That it's not one person, it's not you, it's not, you're not by yourself. You are in a large group of people trying to get to the same place, the will of God. Others seek God's will. Aren't you glad for it? Amen, right? It's a good thing. Others seek the will of God. In fact, my hope is and my my thought is that this room is full of it. It's full of people there that are seeking the will of God. Well, what happens in a crowd? What happens when people get packed into the same route, the same area, in a confined space, in the natural? What happens? Well, whether you like it or not, accidents, on purpose, whatever, you start bumping shoulders, right? Because there's only so much room. There's always the potential for confusion and conflict when you have a bunch of people walking in the same direction. Now here's Abraham, we read that story. Abraham, he gets to the promised land. He meanders a little bit. He learns his lesson, we hope. And then he comes from his journeys in the south. He goes back to that place that he, that he built an altar. And bam, he runs into a family member. Does that sound familiar to anybody else? Anybody ever, anybody have a story like that that you could tell? All I was doing is trying to do the right thing. I was trying to seek God in my life. I was trying to make sure that he was pleased with me. I was trying to be obedient. And I ran into my brother or my sister. In the middle of great things on my way and in the middle of great things for God, I ran into something. And and the reason why that happens is because despite, you know, again, despite the will of God, people, sometimes intentionally, there's a few out there like that, but most of the time unintentionally can divert you from God's will in your life. You can be on a great journey. You can be in a, in a great path. You can have everything going in the right direction, but something happens, something's said, something's done, and it's a person. And the next thing you know, the journey or the direction that you were that you were going in, the direction you were going in, now there's a diversion. And maybe at the very least, there's a distraction. At the very most, there's a diversion. Here's I know this sounds cliche and you you probably know it. In fact, there's gonna be a lot I'm gonna say tonight. You're gonna be like, I know, I know, I know. But if we all knew, how come y'all ain't getting along? I'm not saying there's problems. That was just a proverbial question, all right? Why is there contention ever? Should there, I mean, if we're all gonna be in the will of God, then that doesn't that mean that if, if we're all seeking the will of God, there should never be a disagreement? Shouldn't we always just be in unity? Shouldn't we, well, maybe in a perfect world somewhere beyond this one, but in this life, conflict is a part of it. Conflict is a part of life. Now, people choose how to deal with conflict, all right? There's people that say, you know what? I'm gonna avoid it at any cost, at any cost. I'll say what I have to say, do what I have to do just to avoid it, to go around it. Then there's other people that ignore it and just act like it's not there. It's kind of like if I just turn this way, maybe that'll go away, all right? And then there's other people, and they're a little sick. They enjoy it. That was a joke, but kind of not. There's some people that kind of enjoy conflict. But then there's probably the healthiest of all those groups. There's the people that deal with it, that deal with it. They understand it. They, they, they sense it. They see it coming, and they deal with it. Now, here's the irony, and you tell me if this is true. You know, this is just my thought. Maybe I'm wrong. The irony of conflict in our lives is this, that most of the conflict that we experience It makes its way into our lives via our closest and most treasured relationships. Anybody agree with me? Now I'm not saying all, but I would I would venture to say if I was a betting man, I would venture to say that most of the conflict in our life does not come from strangers. We don't fuss with strangers. We don't even pay attention to strangers when it comes to that stuff. Who do we fuss with? Who does the conflict? It's it's mostly, most of the time, some of our most treasured relationships are where conflict comes from. Again, I'm here to debunk the myth that if we are in the will of God, that I won't have any relationship problems. (laughs) I laugh. Because if Father Abraham, the father of the faithful, amen, if Father Abraham, who could hear the voice of the Lord, who could who, who who could have the testimony that he has in Hebrews eleven, if if he had trouble with some of his closest relationships, I think we can probably expect the same. So, again. There's a lot of times we know what we should do, and I gotta put a disclaimer out there. All Dealing with conflict, everything that I'm gonna say tonight, everything that I'm gonna suggest, any advice that I'm gonna give, any counsel from the word of God, can I just be honest with you? I'm gonna tell you this. It's easier said than done, okay? It's easier said. I understand that. I'm not trying to be trite or trivial or elementary, but I am trying tonight to give some basic training on something that happens probably every day in your life. And remember I told you one of the greatest enemies to the will of God in your life last week, I told you it's options. It's options, having options. It could be the greatest. If I've gotta have a pecking order, the second greatest enemy is conflict. Conflict has killed more of God's plans in people's life than I care to count. they had a front row seat to some of it. So this is easier said than done. But and that shows us this that we probably tonight we're really not dealing with the education problem, we're dealing with the execution problem. So it's not that when you're, let's say you and your wife are, are having a unpleasant moment of fellowship. Okay, it's not that you don't know what you should do. In fact, okay, I'll talk to the men because I, I feel nervous of the too many ladies. Staring darts at me right now, all right? But, but you men, have you ever heard words come out of your mouth and saying, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that? Or take action and say, don't do that. You're not gonna admit it to me, are you? You bunch of hypocrites. We know what we should do, but it's an execution problem. Count Conflict encountered in pursuit to God's will must be dealt with with biblical patterns. Okay, and and tonight I forgot to tell you. Sorry, I'm a little, little jumbled tonight. There was, I did have a flyer. Did I or did a paper get passed out? Did I even bring it down? Any papers? Okay, I apologize for that. There was one. It was really good, but you're not going to see it. All right. But if you do have your phone, you can go on the church app, and it is out there. All right. So I apologize for not having that. So tonight I want to share four things to remember when settling problems in the will of God, we have well established, there's gonna be problems to settle. And we well established that it's not, sometimes it's not about being out of the will of God. It's about settling the problems that you encounter while you're traveling in the will of God, right? So how can that be? Well, it's the will of God. I'll just use, I'll keep picking on married people. It's the will of God that you stay married. man. But how many of you people that are trying to stay married have problems once in a while? Come on, raise your hand. Don't make me sit up here by myself. Hey, man, thank you, Sister Marlene. I knew he was trouble. Okay, so, so you see what I'm saying? You can be in the will of God. You can, be in, you can be in the right lane and still bump against each other. That's what we're talking about tonight. And I wanna share four things to remember when you're settling problems in the will of God. Number one, remember your family. Remember that you are family. When you're studying, I'm talking about in the will of God, I'm talking about with people in the church, with people in the kingdom of God, with other folks, with other believers. When you've got to remember that you are family because Abraham did. The Bible said that Abram verse 8, Abram said unto lot, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and you, or between my folks and your folks, or my stuff and your stuff. Why, what was his reason? His reason was, is it up there? Somebody throw it up there. Verse eight, the reason was he said, we, last words there, for we be brethren. You know what he said? He said, let's not have a problem between us. And the reason is because we're family. We're we're part of the same family. Abraham surmised that there was too much danger without to be dealing with danger from within. Anybody ever um, in the circus? I haven't been in a circus in a long time. I don't know if they still do this. Do they still have the Lion Act? Anybody been to, do they still do the Lion Act? Anybody remember old time, sir, they'd have the lions out there and the lion tamer, he'd have two things. What, he had a whip, right? A whip, and a chair. Now, let me ask you something. Brad Ross, you're an intelligent young man, right? I've, would, would, would a whip keep a lion off a man? Would a chair keep a lion off a man? Do you know why they have those? I found out. I found out. I did a little research. You know why they do that? Because the sound of the crack of the whip and the four points, you notice they'll hold the four points, the four points of the legs of the chair, they disorient the lion and confuse him and keep him from his purpose of what he might wanna do to that lion tamer. Can I tell you that's exactly what conflict does. It's not that the conflict itself is usually enough to take you out or to divert you or distract you, or to divert you at least, but it is enough to distract you. The sound of it, okay, the visual of it, the perception of it, it's enough to distract you. So how do you do that? You gotta remember, number one, you gotta remember that when you're dealing with problems in the will of God, you gotta remember that we are family. I really think there's a need, not just in our church, just in general. There is a need to re-engage the sense of family within the church. Family within the church. I'm not talking about our our, our natural families. I'm talking about the, the people of God loving, knowing, and interacting with each, with each other as the family of God. This is why years gone by and still today, you know, we, we think these are not titles. We call, we call each other what? Brother, sister, right? Those aren't a title. Is it isn't because I don't know your first name? Well, maybe sometimes it is, but I'm working on that, okay? We do that because there used to be a sense within the family that we're not just part of a club here, we're not just part of a group of people that happen to be in the same place at the same time, have, you know, doing some of the same things. The idea is we are part of a big family of God. And with, we're part of a family of God. How many of you know, in family there's a little bit of responsibility, right? In healthy families, there's responsibility. Romans 5 and 5 says this, and hope does not make us ashamed because Why? The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. So when the Spirit of the Lord, when when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the Bible said the love of God, if I'm reading this right, did I misread it? If I'm reading this right, the Bible says that part of the working of the Holy Ghost, when it's put, put in our heart, that the love of God is shed abroad, it's poured into our hearts. So if I read that right, when I receive the Holy Ghost, I'm supposed to have the love of God in there along with it or as part of it, amen? amen? Tom says, I do. All right, Tom does. The rest of you need to work on this, okay? The love of God is part of the Holy Spirit within us. So that's supposed to be in there, okay? So so here's what I think I can surmise from that. I can, I can pull out this truth that if the love of God is alive in our hearts the way the scripture says it should be, it will show itself by our affection and our concern for our church family. First John 3 and 14, here's what he says. John says, We know that we have passed from death into life. He's really talking about conversion there. He's talking about the, the new life in Christ. He said, Here's, and there's there's lots of ways. I, I'm not trying to say this is the only way, but he says this. He said, Here's how we know we have passed from that dead life to a, a alive life, okay? And that is because we love the brethren. And he that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Well, that's pretty strong. And that's pretty plain. That loving each other is a proof that we are walking in new life in Christ. It's evidence. Everybody get that? He goes on to say in 15, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Wow. Wow. And you know, that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. He said, and hereby we perceive we, we perceive the love of God because he laid down his life for us. This is how we define the love of God. This is how we perceive it, that he laid down his life for us. That's what, here's what John's saying, that's what love looks like. Love looks like what Jesus did, that he laid down his life for us. And then he goes on, and everybody's like, woo, thank you, Jesus, right? But listen, he's not done. And we ought to lay down our lives for our kids, for, no, for the brethren, for the family. Verse 17, whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Now, when you read verse 17 and you read uh, that phrase, whoso has this world's good and seeth his brothers in need and and shut up his mouth, how many of you automatically, your mind goes to money? When you you think about who has the the world's goods, you think about resources and, and money. Anybody else? I know I do. I do. When I read that scripture, I'm like, Okay, here's what I think he's saying. He's saying that if Adina is so poor she can't afford lunch, that I ought to buy her some groceries. And that the love of God's not in me if I see that and I don't do it. Okay, that it's all about money. But listen, giving is deeper than money. Does it encompass that? I believe 100%. But, But honestly, in a lot of ways, that's the easy way out. That's the easy way out. I got to thinking, Sister Jill. I was sitting in my office today, and I got to thinking. One of the you ever think like those little thoughts? Like, well, here it was. I thought, what would I, what would I be willing to write a check for to make it go away? I started thinking, man, I'd pay hundred dollars to make that go away. Anybody? maybe I'd pay $1,000 to make that go away. I'm talking about, everybody say conflict. I'm talking about, I'm talking about problems, okay? Like, okay, let me ask you. Let's, let's pick on the marriages again. It's an easy illustration. So, so if you're having major marital problems, would you pay $1,000 to make it go away? Whew, easy, right? Don't even tell me how much you would pay. There's so many problems that we would give money for, okay? And I'm not saying that's wrong, but what I am telling you is I don't think this scripture was just talking about helping people that are poor. He was talking to the church about helping one another and dealing with one another, and giving is much more than just money. Sometimes what people need from you is far more expensive than dollars. Sometimes it is is the understanding of where they're at. Sometimes it is your patience. Sometimes it is your long suffering. Sometimes they don't need from you to give them anything else but your gentleness, which ought to be a work of the Spirit, hallelujah, or your compassion. Does everybody understand how giving is much deeper? So, so John is saying, if you have, if you have the ability and you see your brother need and you shut up your bowels of compassion. Now, this is lost a little bit in the King James here because, you know, bowels of compassion. We don't say that. We don't love each other with our bowels. That means something different in our culture, right? But, but what he's trying to say is he's trying to show that the, the idea behind these word choices, even within the Hebrew, or I'm sorry, the Greek idea here is to love. We would say to love from your gut, from way down deep. This is not superficial love. This is not love because, you know, somebody's expecting. This is true, genuine love from way down deep. And if you're going to deal with conflict in the will of God, the first thing you're gonna have to remember is that this is about family and that changes our perspective. The second thing is you gotta remember that the problem can be with the environment, not with the individual. Let me say that again. The problem... The conflict can be with the environment and not the individual. What was the real problem here? Was the problem that Lot just hated Abraham? Was the problem, do we have any evidence in scripture that says Abraham just didn't want anything to do with Lot anymore? Do do we have any, any evidence at all that Abraham and Lot knew anything about the conflict until it bubbled up from beneath? We don't. In fact, If we had to assume anything, we would assume that Abraham and Lot were just trying to manage a problem that they had very little to do with, except for the fact they owned the servants, they owned the cattle, and they owned the sheep, and they didn't have, the problem was what? There was not enough room. Everybody see that? It wasn't that anybody was even mad at each other. There just wasn't room. And the only thing I'm trying to point out here is this. There's a lot of conflicts and problems that end up being about you and being about them. And the truth of the matter is, it's not about you and it's not about them. It's about the environment that you're walking through. And there's great power in understanding that. Understanding because then you can really start looking at the problem instead of looking at why are you reacting that way? You should be reacting differently, Joanna. You shouldn't be saying that or doing that or making those decisions when the real problem is not about your decision. It's just you and and, and whoever else you're in conflict with that are trying to just muddle their way and make decisions because the real problem is the environment. It's the environment. The land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together because their substance, listen, what a great problem to have. They were so blessed they needed more room. and I'll, I'll be careful here, but and you've heard me say this before. The, 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 you know, the, the biggest travesty within Christianity is folks fighting about how to serve Jesus. And that that's usually folks that are focused on individuals and not the problems because there are things to work out. I can tell you in this church, there's logistics to work out. We, we're trying to figure out how to do things. We're trying to figure out how to create programs. We're, we're trying to figure out how to get people to respond to us for, when we call them for Bible studies. There's all kinds of things we're trying to figure out. Amen? But let me tell you what those are. That's the environment. It's not a person problem. That's an environment problem. And so we got to remember that the problem can be not always, but the problem can be with the environment, and we're wise to take a look at that. Contention around resources needed to maintain what God had blessed them with—that was their problem. And some conflicts are about the environment instead of people themselves. They were both trying to take care of God's blessings, and many times it's not about ill motive towards others, but it's about like Abraham and Abraham's gates—the land's just not big enough. So. The end of that story is this, that the wise is the person who recognizes the problem instead of developing their argument. Let me say that again. Wise is the person who recognizes the problem instead of developing their argument. Because honestly, your argument doesn't matter if it's not really about the problem, amen? Okay, so that's number two. Number three, remember that conflicts are almost always, almost always, there can be some deviance here, but almost always better dealt with quickly. Conflicts are almost always better dealt with quickly. Abraham said to Lot, let there be no strife. Now, we don't know for sure what the timeline was there, but the story gives us the impression that Abraham said, look, we're not gonna let this go any further. There's already been some problems. You got your herdsmen that are fighting with our herdsmen. We don't know how bad that was. We don't know if they were fighting. We don't know if there was fisticuffs or worse. We don't know. We're not given those details. But we do know that when Abraham heard of it, he said, we're gonna stop this right here. Everybody say quickly. You know, Matthew uh, 18 and 15 said, moreover, if, if your brother shall trespass, twist, twist hey, amen, uh, Elmer Fudd is teaching tonight. He trespassing. If thy brother shall trespass against thee, go, everybody say go, go. Now, I'm not sure if I'm reading that right. I don't know if there's emphasis in it, but man, it jumps out, that word go, it jumps out to me in this scripture. Go, go and tell him his fault. Get up, get Get out from where you're at. Go and tell him his fault. This is important between you and him. Alone. If you hear thee and if he hears you, you've gained your brother. And so what I hear from this scripture is, when there is conflict, go quickly. Proverbs 17 and 14 says this, the beginning of strife is like the re, is like releasing water. Therefore stop contention, before a quarrel starts. And so the word picture here in Proverbs from, wisdom, from the wisdom writer is this, it's like a dam that's got a crack in it. And it's leaking. And so he said, look, when you see a crack, understand there's more coming. Beginning of strife is, is like releasing water. It, it, it's, gonna, it's gonna blow, it's gonna flood, it's gonna do damage. So, so you have gotta work quickly to stop contention before a quarrel starts. So how do you do that? I've got four ideas, okay? I think these will help you. They've helped me before. I think they'll help you. Number one, if you're in a conflict, quickly, this is a kind of, you know, oxymoron, quickly stop and think, okay? Quickly, first thing, stop and think. Because Proverbs 14 and 29, how how many of you, okay, let me back up before I give you that scripture. How many of you, got angry and did something and regretted that you did it? Come on, every hand, every hand. Even you, Brother White, I know. Listen, you've said it to me. I know you've done it. Okay? Or you said something. Why is that? Because anger makes you stupid. Would you write that down, please? Would you please write that down? That's from first Brad whatever and whatever. Anger makes you stupid. Right? So, So Proverbs, the wisdom writer says, the first thing, you gotta stop and think. He that is slow to wrath, what? Is of, somebody say it, great, read it. Somebody say it out loud. Is of great what? Understanding. You gain understanding by slowing down and thinking, especially in conflict. But he that is hasty of spirit, he exalts folly. What does that mean? That means he increases the problem. He turns up the flame. He causes things to get worse. So, so you can't be hasty. You've got to be slow. You've got to stop and think. Proverbs 15 and 18 tells us that a wrathful man stirs up strife. But he that is slow to anger, he appeases strife. In other words, hot-tempered people start fights and cold-tempered people stop them. So, number one, stop and think. Number two, talk about quickly. Quickly dealing with conflict. Number two, subdue your tone. This is hard for me. Can I be honest? Can I confess to you? This is hard for me. I get animated so easy. I think it's because I'm a preacher. That's, that's, that's my excuse, okay? I think it's because, you know, that's just how I speak. When, when I start getting passionate about something, I get very animated. And, and I, sometimes I don't even have to be upset. I just get loud. Anybody, is there any other loud people in here? Come on. Amen. Thank you, Sister Jill. I've never thought of you as loud, but I'll, 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 I'll keep that in behind in the back. Okay, I, I get loud. But, but here's, what, here's what Proverbs tells me. Proverbs tells me that I need to learn to subdue my tone. A soft, especially in conflict. And by saying conflict, in conflict. control my tone. A soft answer, turneth away wrath. Now that's not just talking about volume. It can mean volume. Because volume speaks volumes. Amen? Man, I just made that up. That's also a good one. Write that one down. Write that one down. Volume speaks volume. but But that really means what it's really talking about is a gentle answer. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But grievous words, they stir up anger. Tone can change anything and everything. Gentle tone, a gentle tone will do this. And write this down if you're not. Gentle tones will use observations instead of accusations. Do you understand the difference between the two? Accusations are based on your perception. Observations generally are based on facts. It's something that has been observed. It's not something that's been accused. And so when you have a gentle spirit and you have a gentle tone, you are more prone to talk through your conflict with observations that maybe need to be brought up, probably need to be brought up, okay? Instead of accusations which are inflammatory and usually don't go very far in helping to fix the problem. Number three, and you're not gonna like this one, okay? You're not gonna like it. I'm just gonna, just gonna warn you. There's some things you just gotta let go. I know in this world where it's like people like, don't sweep it under the rug. Uh, don't just bury your head in the sand. But here's what I, here, somebody help me. You know, I, I read these scriptures that tell me I need to forgive, forgive. I need to forgive people, forgive. Forgive people because God forgave me. I, I, forgive, and, and I can't figure out what are the physical steps of forgiveness. And maybe, maybe psychology could help me a little bit and at least drive some of those things out. But here, layman's terms, just a plain old guy, you know what I've figured out? Forgiving is nothing more than me just saying, ah, forget it. It's just moving on. It's not admitting that it never happened. It's not admitting that there wasn't a conflict. But forgiveness for me, maybe it's not for you, but, but even when I look in scripture, it's just about in spite of the circumstances, I'm gonna let it go. Where do you get that, Pastor? I'm from Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, he, he, that's what he did. In spite of the circumstances, in spite of who you were, or are, while you are yet sinners, come on, anybody with me? Christ died, right? what did he do? He let it go. He covered it. He paid the bill himself. And he said, let's move on. Now, I know that's that's high level. That's elementary. I'm sure there's other things we could, we could talk. In fact, I think one of our lessons not too long ago was on forgiveness. And if I'm not mistaken, the Mellors taught that. and It was excellent. Okay, if it's somebody else, uh, I'm sorry, don't get offended because, and we'll work through that conflict if you are, okay? We'll, we'll stay in the will of God. But that was an excellent lesson. But I'm telling you, forgiveness at its root is just letting it go. Proverbs 19, 11, the discretion of a man deferreth his anger. And listen to this. This is awesome. And it is his, it is his glory to pass over a transgression. That word pass over means to overlook. I'm just, just going to overlook it. I know what they said. I know what they did. I know the bumping. I know the conflict. But I'm, I'm just choosing. I'm going to overlook it. Remember that conflicts are almost always better when they're dealt with quickly. How do you deal with them quickly? Well, first, you stop and think. Second, you lower your tone or you, 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 you control your tone. And then number three, sometimes you just let things go. You let things go. The third thing that I want to find from Abraham's story here is remember that remember we got to remember that the high road is the blessed road. The high road is the blessed road. What do I mean when I say high road? anybody ever heard? Well, I'm just anybody ever said I'm going to take the high road. What's that mean? Somebody help me. What's that mean? If someone takes the high road, absolutely, absolutely, it's the moral higher ground, right? Nothing more than the spirit and the ways of God. That is the moral high ground. Right? It's like, I'm going to do the right thing. Everybody say, right thing. The right thing is not always what you think is right. Okay? Think about your conflict, your side, your argument. The right thing is not, the high road is not always what you think is right. I have known people that have taken the high road. They took the right way. The relationship was healed. But if you ask me, they had the right argument. And they let it go. Because it wasn't important. Because the relationship was more important than being right. Anybody hearing me right now? Hallelujah. In conflict, when you seek the right way instead of getting your way, you're blessed. When you seek the right way, God's solution. Instead of getting your way, you're blessed. What does it say that love does not demand its own way? Abraham said, "Is not the whole land before." Listen to this. This is awesome. He said, "Is not the whole land before thee. Separate yourself. We, you know, we, we've got to put some distance between us. We, we need more space, not because I don't like you, but because we, God has blessed us so greatly. This is logistics. We got to do this. Separate yourselves. But the whole land is before you. I pray thee from me. If, if thou wilt take the left hand, then I'll go right. And if you go right, I'll go left. Now we know Lot lifted up his eyes and he beheld the plain of Jordan. It was watered everywhere. And before the Lord destroyed uh, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, Lot looks at it and he says, I think I'm going that way. Then Lot shows him all the plain of Jordan and Lot journeyed east and they separated themselves one from another. Now let me just tell you something, a little bit of, of research will show you that in, in family clans in these Bible times, Abraham was boss. You understand me? He was boss. He was the clan leader. He had every right and had all authority and had all physical power. He didn't have just servants that were feeding him stuff. He had servants that would fight for him. We find that out later in his story. He had a a small army of sorts. He had the power. He had the authority. He had the right to look at Lot and say, who do you think you are? Letting your guys get up in the face of my guys. Do you know Who I, I, I'm Abraham, okay? You're the nephew. Okay, has any father ever said, I'm the father and you're the son. Don't you ever forget it, anybody? I've said it. Come on, Larry, amen. Confession's good for the soul. He could have said all that, and he had every right to. But the blessing of God, and and not only that, I, I thought about this. The blessing of God was on him, not Lot. He's the one that had the promise. And they're both there in the will of God, right there in the promised land. And can you imagine, does everybody see the character? Does everybody see the heart of of Abraham when he said, the whole land is in front of you? You go your way, whatever you choose, and I'll go the other way. You go right, I'll go left. You go left, I'll go right. But instead, here's what he did. He let it go to a certain extent. Abraham chose to leave the issue in the hands of God's court. And there are going to be times and conflict in the will of God with God's people that the right way is for somebody or everybody to just leave the issue in the hands of God's court. In other words, here's what I'm trying to say. When he could have served himself, he submitted himself. He deferred to his brother instead of satisfying himself and his pride. It reminds me of the other conflict scripture Jesus talked about in Matthew 5. He said, if you get ready to come into worship, come into my presence, and you come to the altar, and before you you bring your gift to the altar, and there at the altar, in the middle of my presence, in my house, you remember that your brother, listen to this, your brother, your husband, your wife, your sister, your brother, your kids, that they have ought against you. Stop what you're doing. Everybody say go. Talk about quickly. Go thy way. First, be reconciled to thy brother. Then, come offer thy gift. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, if I know that Allison Fisher has got a problem with me, There's a side of Brad and Abe. I know I'm picking on her because I know she loves me to death, okay? So I'm not gonna worry about offending her. So if, if I know that she has, there's a side of me, a side of me. It's not the Holy Ghost side. There's a side of me that says, honey, that's your problem. Anybody else? That's your problem. If you got a problem with me, I don't have a problem with you. I think you're everything. You're roses and chocolate candy. That's wonderful got no problem with you. If you got a problem with me, you need to go work that out. But I don't read that here. Anybody else? I, I didn't read that. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, the Bible tells us that the problem is yours too and that you're to go. Everybody say go. So he does. Abraham does. He goes to him. He solves a problem. Lot acts selfishly. But God, see, what, uh, look what happened. The end result of the higher road that Abraham takes is still blessing. It's so easy to look at Lot and say, look how selfish he was. But the Bible says in verse 12 that Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Anybody remember that story? And the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. But verse 14, look what happened. Sodom, he chose what... What seemed to be the better, but but look what God does. And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot was separate from him, lift up now thine eyes. Look from the place where you are. Look north, look south, look east, look west. For all the land that you see, will I give it to thee and your seed forever. Abraham, don't you worry. Don't you think for a minute that in your taking the high road, that somehow you lost. Can I just talk to somebody right now? There are people in this room that feel like, I lost Because I took the high road. I missed out because I I didn't pop off. I didn't say what I wanted to say, do what I wanted to do. I let it go. And I feel like I lost. Abraham, you did not lose. I would challenge you to look to the north, look to the south, look to the east, and look to the west. And everywhere you look, God says, I'm pouring blessing into your life. You're better off. You're better off when you take the high road like Abraham. Now, you know what's interesting? If you read on in this story, and we're out of time, but if you read on in this story, what's interesting to me is that Lot, the guy that acted selfishly and left Abraham with the bad piece of land, he goes off and gets in so much trouble And Abraham would become God's instrument in rescuing Lot and his family when he was taken hostage by an external force. Isn't that interesting? So not only does God bless Abraham, but he turns around and uses Abraham to bless the guy that tried to put a knife in his back. His high ground approach in an internal personal conflict poised him, positioned him to be used by God to deliver the very person that he had conflict with. So here's what we find from all of this in just four easy points. And maybe, maybe I should have just said these four points. You can be the judge. Biblical patterns in Abraham's story show, or can show us how to settle problems in God's will. The biblical pattern of maintaining the perspective that prioritizes the need for peace and unity in the family of God in conflict. We must learn to adopt that pattern. We must learn the biblical pattern of refusing to let the complexities of our relationships because they are complex. They are, they do have many dynamics. We cannot let the complexities of our relationships and our humanity, our flesh, Sister Jill, as you said. You talked about the spirit, the opposite, our flesh, detour the simplicity of our mission in the kingdom of God. And the, we also must learn the biblical pattern of committing ourselves to resolving unavoidable confusing and conflict that is going to be there because we're all still in our humanity and flesh. We will not avoid. We're gonna bump in. where a lot of people it in the same direction. You're bound to rub shoulders with some and bump shoulders with others. But in doing so, in the confusion and conflict that we almost can't avoid, we must address it with urgency, quickly, and with wisdom. And finally, the biblical pattern of submitting ourselves to God's right way, walking in the spirit, to God's right way instead of serving ourselves in order to get our way. This is what solving problems in the will of God looks like. Can't avoid them. They're gonna happen, but we can deal with them and we can deal with them according to God's word. Amen? Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus. God, I I know that there are awesome people in this room and i know there there are people that are they're dedicated to the will and the things of god but i also know lord that there are a bunch of humans in here god we're we're all faced with the the monumental task of bringing our humanity into subjection to your will god we bump into each other all the time we bump into our spouses we bump into our friends we bump into our brothers and sisters God, we, we have different opinions on how things should be and how things should work and, and we have different ways of going about trying to get into the same path in the same group going to the same place. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, in our flesh to submit ourselves to you and to solve problems your way, God, as we continue to pursue your will. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being in Bible study tonight. Please continue to pray for Sister Nave and uh, pray for uh, Sister Brideup. I thought I had an update. I do not. So I have nothing to share with you. Just pray for them. We'll I'll try to uh, we'll try I'll try to post something on our Facebook once we find something out. I think she's gonna be fine, but we'll wait to hear that. All right. God bless you. You're dismissing Jesus now.